You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to another edition of Through the Smoke. David Lake here with Gabby Arutia, as always. And as the month of June, the big recruiting month of June, inches closer and closer, we're going to take a deep dive in essentially everything you need to know uh, with Miami Hurricanes football recruiting going into that month of June. We do have some news to address here that happened over the weekend and is going to happen this week. So we'll jump in and, and talk about that in the first half of the podcast. Then we'll take a break and we will take that deep dive on what you need to know going into the month of June. Uh, but before we begin, Gabby, let's welcome in Andrew Ivins, 24-7 Sports Southeast Analyst. Andrew Ivins, welcome to the show. <laughs> I'm back, right? <laughs> He's back. How's it going? How are you enjoying your, your new duties, your new job, uh, kind of more on the evaluation side of things? Um, it's fun. Uh, I'm, I think we're all trying to still figure out, uh, the pieces to the puzzle. Who's kind of, kind of do what, I mean, there's been so much, not turnover, but some changes, uh, at the national level for 24 seven sports, obviously Barton Simmons, you know, the director of recruiting, he left, he's now recruiting at Vanderbilt. He's working in that recruiting department. So there's been a ton of changes. Um, I've served as, I don't know, like a utility man, but. I've, I've worn a ton of different hats, I, I would really say, over the past six months or so, but I, I think I'm settling in uh, and I'm excited. It's different. Um, and I'm glad to be, you know, back on this podcast and not producing the podcast. Quite the change of pace. Yeah, it's been fun, uh, you know, putting in the intro music, uh, going with the outro music, doing the quote unquote hosting duties. It's definitely a change for me, too, but uh, not as good as it at it as you Andrew but uh, there's always we can always strive for that level of expertise so let's jump into it Gabby let's start with some news here over the weekend Miami got some big news with an offensive line transfer edition um, I'll just let you take it and run with it now tell us who it is and, and what we need to know about that take yeah so uh, Miami added a former UNLV offensive lineman Justice Alu Man, I can't say this guy's last name. Alu Wayson. I'm pretty sure that's how you say it. Um, you know, this is a guy that played a, he's played a lot of football over in the Mountain West. And, uh, you know, he's a guy that Justice, that Garen Justice has been kind of in contact with for, for a little while now. And, you know, I think he played under him, you know, just when Justice was back over out West uh, before coming over to Miami. So, you know, I think it's definitely an interesting take. Um, just because, you know, I know a lot of people, I mean, especially like the fan bases, they're obviously calling for linebackers. They're calling for, you know, other positions in Miami decides to go out there, take an offensive lineman. But, you know, I think it's a, I think it's an interesting addition and a guy with experience that, you know, could come in and, you know, potentially help out, you know, like he's going to be an August addition count towards the 2022 cycle. So, you know, it's going to be, he's a guy that, you know, Miami has certain expectations for, you know, this coming fall, but, you know, could really help down the line. Andrew, were you surprised by this take? Because, I mean, I know obviously Miami was talking to him before spring football, but it seemed like during spring and then after spring, 
Miami felt really good about where things stood with their offensive line. Um, so were you surprised by, by this take in that sense? I, I think so. Yeah. I mean, um, just from a numbers roster management, what's next after the 2021 season, we have to get down to a certain number. I think it is not puzzling, but it's an interesting decision. Um, and, and just with the whole counter situation, you know, wh- where do you want to use your scholarships? I, I found that a little strange, but look, it's hard to get quality offense alignment. This is a guy that Garen Justice has obviously worked with when he was at UNLV. Um, look at some of the other programs around the country. Everyone is fighting for offense alignment. So if you can get a quality guy out of the portal, why not? I think this kind of speaks to um, my theory that teams are, are, are really, you know, we've seen Miami do this, but it, it's becoming more and more clear that maybe the formula is, hey, you only take 15, 18 high school guys and then, you know, whatever it is, seven, eight, nine, ten spots go to transfers. So, yeah, it's interesting. I think it makes sense. I mean, really, in my eyes, one of the strengths of the offense is that offensive line. And the unit's obviously getting better. Uh, Manny Diaz has always preached competition. And look, if you're one of those guys in Garen Justice's room, I mean, you got to think, hey, I, I got to turn it on now. Uh, just because this guy's coming in and they're not bringing him in to be a backup. I would assume he's coming in to push for starting snaps. Well, Gabby, Gabby has some uh, info to relay in that regard. He, he dropped it on the through the smoke message board at inside the U. Gabby, tell us, you know, your conversations to the guys behind the scenes. What are they telling you in terms of like the timeline for, for justice, Alou Wason uh, at Miami? Yeah. So, I I mean, I think the idea is that, you know, he comes in and, you know, definitely pushes for a spot this year, uh, you know, potentially pushes what some of these other guards and, you know, if he cracks the rotation, you know, Miami feels like, you know, that'll only improve the offense in general, improve the offensive line as a whole. But, you know, I really think that the plan is for, you know, 2022, uh, you know, they, they believe that they're going to lose a good number of offensive linemen. You know, they believe, you know, Zion Nelson is obviously generating a lot of hype right now as a potential first round pick. And they think that they could lose up to five, six linemen after this year, whether that be to graduation or to the NFL or whatever it is. So they think that, you know, they're going to have to go get an offensive lineman at some point, like after this coming season anyway. So they felt better about landing this guy, a guy that, you know, Andrew mentioned, Garen Justice has worked with, kind of having him in the system for a full year before he's really, truly expected to actually start or, you know, really contribute at a high level. So, you know, whatever he is able to give them this coming season is only a plus because I really think that this is a move for, you know, the future with a guy with two years of eligibility of what he can give them in 2022. So I have two questions for you, Gabby. Number one, do you, is the expectation for him to be a guard? Cause, cause he primarily, primarily plays left tackle and right tackle. Lately, it's been more right tackle at UNLV, but his body type suggests he's more of a guard. Do, do you expect him to be a guard at Miami or do you expect him to get a shot at like, let's say right tackle next year. Yeah, I could see him getting a shot at either one of those spots. You know, he's a guy that's played a lot of different positions and I feel like we've kind of seen how Miami's moved guys in and out, you know, like DJ Scaife being a guard now moving to right tackle. Uh, I can see them kind of, you know, playing around with him, especially, you know, throughout the fall to kind of see where he might fit best for this team in the future. But yeah, I could see a couple different uh, situations there where he could kind of play either or honestly, I could definitely see him on the right side. I could see him end up playing, you know, right guard if, you know, Jalen Rivers is able to hold down that left guard spot. So, uh, you know, I, I could see a couple of different things playing out there. 
then Gabby, I want to follow up and I'll loop you in on this too, Andrew. Uh, but Gabby, you know, I know kind of the messaging Miami's putting out there right now is he's more of a 2022 guy than a 2021 guy. But I, I just want to straight up ask, are we buying that? Because, um, you know, I, I do think there is a, a scenario where he comes in and starts some games this year. Now, does he start the Alabama game? I would suggest no, but, um, you know, he, he does seem to be a good player. He, he seems to excel specifically in the run game which we know is an area Miami wants to take a step forward with their offensive line this year. Um, and, you know, to be fair too, like Miami does need to put that messaging out there for 2022 to try and prevent guys from transferring out. Right. Um, so I just want to say, like, I guess a fair way to ask it is, do you think there's a chance we see justice start three or four games at least this year? And I'll start with you, Gabby. Yeah, I, I could see a situation where that happens, you know, especially as the year kind of goes on. I think it might be hard, you know, as a, as a guy coming in in August. I guess we saw Jared Williams do it last year, so I'm not I'm not saying it's a uh, it's impossible or it's unlikely. Like, you know, this is a good guy. This is a good player. Miami needs to improve the running game, and you know, he's a guy that obviously does it at a, at a high level. So, yeah, I, I could see him coming in and and really pushing for some playing time, like some serious playing time, and potentially starting. I wouldn't be surprised at all to see him start a couple games. Andrew. Over under three and a half starts for justice. Uh, well, I think that's a great number just from uh, David solid at setting the lines. Like, yeah, it makes it real tough. They're going to hire you. One of these uh, sports books that open yeah. up in Florida here pretty soon. You're going to be in, you'll make this short drive over alligator alley. Boom. Right there. <laughs> in like a mockery or something. Uh, no, I, I think David, you kind of brought up a good point. <laughs> you know, the coach has got to say one thing uh, because it's a really delicate situation. I think this is, goes across college football as a whole. Um, and maybe this is one of the reasons why we see so many college coaches and assistants going to the NFL. Look, not only are you now having to uh, recruit guys to join your program, you got to recruit guys to stay. Uh, so you got to watch what you say, because like, you, I mean, if, they went out and, and and relayed that hey this this is gonna we think this guy is gonna do this he's gonna start you know how do you know John Campbell doesn't turn around and, and enter his name in the transfer portal and again like I said there's a ton of schools that want offensive line and linemen so it's a delicate situation I, I think I would I'll put it like this I would not be surprised if this guy plays some games right I agree I I, I like the take and uh, you know we'll get into 2022 offensive line recruiting. And I, I do think there's a chance that his addition maybe means or is an indication of maybe where things stand. It's early, but where things stand for 2022 offensive line recruiting as well. Um, but let's move on to the other kind of newsy topic for Miami Hurricanes football uh, recruiting this week. And that is wide receiver Quan Lee, who is a three-star prospect out of the Gainesville area, set to make his college decision on May 26th. Um, Andrew, I'll let you take this since you've kind of seen him in person and, and have a, a little bit of a relationship there, I think. But uh, what's the latest kind of we know about where things stand with Quan, uh, you know, with Miami and, and maybe some other schools to know going into the decision? Well, I mean, I think Miami's in a, a good spot. Are they in a great spot? I, I, don't, I really don't know. Um, you know, I was exchanging some messages with Quan, who's up in, in the Gainesville area. I think he's at Buholtz. I don't actually think he started his high school career off there, but that's where he played last season. Got 47 passes for over a thousand yards. Um, as a kid who's run track in the past, uh, I, I kind of compare him to 
Mike Harley, but we can get more into the valuation a little bit. But in, in terms of the recruitment, you know, he's been all over the place, got two dozen offers. Uh, Miami's consistently been in there. Uh, West Virginia is a school he's highlighted in the past, Nebraska, and then Coastal Carolina. And I know a lot of people are probably driving right now or listening to this podcast and going, whoa, Coastal Carolina. But look, man, the, the Chanteliers had a magical season last year. Um, and, and, and they're doing a really good job of recruiting. I actually wrote some story about that, uh, a few months ago. So uh, those are kind of the four that are in there, but based on everything I've heard, this is a Miami West Virginia battle. Um, and my crystal ball right now is on Miami. I, I will say confidence isn't super high. And that's because, like I said, I was texting Quan Lee. I was like, Hey, are you still doing it this week? And he's like, yeah. And then he f- fired like a text saying that, uh, West Virginia was making, a big push. And I don't know if that was, he, he's trying to throw the, throw the scent off the trail or, or, or whatnot. He's not, you know, I'm trying to tip his cap, but I've also talked to some other people, some college coaches, and um, they think it's, it, it's pretty tight. So we'll see, but I think it's Miami, West Virginia battle, which is funny because look, uh, I, I mentioned Mike Harley's my player comp. Remember his recruitment came down to West Virginia and Miami uh, as well. And Gabby, your, your crystal ball, I believe is also on Quan. What, what would his addition mean to Miami's class in general, kind of getting a, another offensive commitment for the Hurricanes? Yeah, I think it would just be good in terms of just kind of getting the ball rolling a little bit, right? Like, we, like you know, Ja'Curry Brown, we picked, Miami picked up that commitment, you know, earlier in the year. And just like, I feel like since then it's been a little bit stagnant. I know people are not, maybe not become, or maybe growing impatient just with the way it's kind of been slow and stuff. So I think it'd be some positive momentum for Miami, you know, heading into you know, the June 1st cookout, you know, where they're going to host a lot of guys and, you know, they're going to start bringing guys onto campus and all that. And then obviously heading into official visits. So, you know, I think the, if Miami were able to pick up Quan Lee's commitment, I believe it's tomorrow, Wednesday. Um, I think it would be big, man. I think he, he brings a lot of stuff that, you know, would be beneficial for Miami offensively. You know, I was watching his tape one more time before he hopped on, like, I like the way he's even gets the kind of with the nitty gritty and like blocks and stuff, you know, I feel like he does a lot of really uh, stuff really well that, you know, would, be positive additions for this Miami offense. So uh, I'm a fan and uh, like, Andrew, I feel good about where Miami stands. I'm pretty sure I'm going to talk to his coach at some point today. So hopefully get a better idea as the day goes on. And Andrew, you, you mentioned your comp for him is Mike Harley. Go, go a little more into that. Why, why do you feel like that's the good comp? And, and what would you say is Quan's uh, best trait right now as a, as a prospect? Yeah. So he's a, a kid who I think I saw him at, one or two seven on seven tournaments he's playing for c1 in south which is uh i don't know they've like re- rebranded four times in the span of a, a season but i think they're, they're now affiliated with cam newton's team but there is it's a south florida team a team so i mean or south georgia excuse me seven on seven team and look he's got a similar kind of uh lean build to mike harley that's kind of what i compare him you know he's he's under six foot probably five eleven um, he's got some speed and I, I just think he's a guy that you could put in the slot. He's got aggressive hands. And, uh, I was talking to someone at Miami on, it was either Monday or Tuesday. Um, and, and they agreed. They're like, yeah, I love that Mike Harley comp, but they said they think he's a little more aggressive of a receiver. And, you know, I've bring up this play all the time, but if you put on Quan's junior highlights, there's like three minutes in, um, he, he's on a post route and he lays out for, 
um, a, a ball. I don't know. It's a, it was a monster gain, 30 plus yards. But you, you just don't see that a ton. I mean, in theory, yeah, like receivers should go get it. But to actually do it when the bullets are flying in the game is, is pretty rare. So um, I like that. I, I just think he's a competitive guy. You know, he'll also play some cornerback for his high school, does that as well on the seven on seven circuit. Um, the, the college recruiters think he's mature beyond his years. Someone told me he owns his own uh, moving business. I'm not sure how accurate that is, but uh, he seems to just just have it together in the head. And that reminds me a lot of Mike Harley. Remember, Mike Harley started week one as a freshman coming out of Fort Lauderdale, St. Thomas Aquinas. So uh, what what is his best attribute? I, I just think he's, he's aggressive. Um, and he's going to come in and, you know, not just be a guy that sits in that room. Like, I think he's going to try to push for playing time. Um, and I think that's what Miami's kind of looking for in that receiver room. Yeah, I agree. Just watching his tape, right? The, the thing that stands out about him to me is he's a hand catcher. And like you kind of said, Andrew, he attacks the ball. Um, and, and as we know, making those quote unquote contested catches has been an issue. Um for the Miami receivers lately. So we'll see how that commitment uh, goes on May 26th. Yeah. Can I I follow up real quick too, David? Yeah. I I just think it's like a, I mean, I've kind of pounded my, the drum on this. It's just a down year in the state of Florida when it comes to wide receivers. Um, You know, and I think I would probably put Quan in the top five, of of wideouts uh and everyone always talks about miami keeping guys home so um yeah is he in the quote-unquote state of miami no but he's an in-state kid so you know i i would think it would be a good take i mean do they need absolutely need kwan lee probably not um i think if he were to pick west virginia miami's gonna go and find some other receivers and look they're also being really really selective about the numbers they use and um, I think they just kind of want to know where he's going to go because then they can maybe pivot to someone else. So I, I think it'd be a good take. Like, I think what is his ceiling? I think it would be what Mike Harley is, a, a guy who uh, can, you know, catch 40, 50 balls at the ACC level. In a lot of ways, too, I think recruiting, like, it matters how they fit to last year's class, the class they just signed. Miami took, I think you would agree, Andrew, three quality wide receivers in the 2021 cycle. Um, so there's not like a huge need to go out and get a stud, stud, stud receiver. Now that that would be nice uh, right, as always, right. if you can, but adding a guy like Juan Lee, who, like you said, has the right mentality, has some talent. He'd be a good fit to the guys they, they added last year. Yeah. And you gotta remember, I mean, the 2023 receiver class in South yeah. Florida is already being billed as one of the best ever. So yeah, you know, receiver isn't a huge need and, and Miami's already game planning for that. Other schools are as well. They, they know guys will be readily available next cycle um, at wide receiver. So yeah, big decision, May 26. We'll see if Miami can uh, maybe get a little bit of momentum going into the big month of June. Another commitment, it would be commitment number two for Miami if Quan Lee does decide to uh, pick the Hurricanes, which is crazy to say, but that's where we're at now. And we'll get more into that here on the other side of this break. We'll, we will discuss kind of what, what you all need to know about Miami's recruiting strategy and efforts going into this big month of June. So check us out after the break. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, we're back. And uh, yeah, we will. It's going to be a big month. Gabby, it's kind of your first real month of crazy recruiting time with, with the cycle opening up for the first time since you've been on the job, right, Gabby? That's kind of crazy yeah. to think about. Yeah, it, it, it's pretty wild, man. I, I'm excited about it. I'm a little anxious, but I'm, I'm honestly ready to go. So Miami's kind of, I would say by design, they've been slow playing things this cycle, and, and we can get into the, the reasons why. Um, but, but things are slow right now with Miami. As I mentioned earlier, they have one commit in quarterback Jakari Brown, which I think is a big deal, right? They at least got that quarterback piece locked in. That's always the biggest piece of any recruiting class. So it's good they got that out of the way. You know, Andrew, you will remember last cycle, it seemed like every podcast we were talking about, Jake Garcia, is patience the right play? Are they <laughs> going to have a quarterback? All that stuff. Miami doesn't have to deal with that right now in this cycle. Uh, they just got to fill in the other spots. So uh, the month of June is going to be a big one. And Gabby, let's start with you here. You, you put up an article on the site. Uh, today inside the u.com it's a vip article but but you could still give uh, an outline on on some of the key names to know you included 10 of the most important recruits that will be at miami on june 1st so june 1st they're having this kind of cookout type thing with with guys they've invited top prospects they've invited to campus and uh tell us just some of the guys who are big deals that Miami fans need to know that will be there on June 1st and, and why they need to know about them. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, like, you know, I just noted a few guys, uh, uh, definitely a couple of names to know, like just some interesting ones. I think one of the main ones is probably Kamari Rogers, uh, you know, out of Holmes County, Mississippi. Uh, you know, I think it's a big deal that Miami's going to be able to get an out of state guy like that to kind of travel on his own dime, uh, you know, to be at Miami this first day of the dead period. You know, there's a guy that Miami has been working on for a long time. Uh, Demarcus Van Dyke has been super involved there, and he's a guy that's also going to be back for an official visit later on this month. So, or next month, I'm sorry. So, you know, just good that a guy like that from you know not a South Florida kid is a you know making those types of efforts to to check out Miami. I think it just kind of shows where they kind of stand in his picture. A couple other guys I noted, you know, Shamar Stewart, uh, the five star uh, out of Miami Monsignor Pace. You know, Miami was kind of battling it out with Georgia to see who was going to kind of get him on campus that first day of the dead period, and. You know, Miami was kind of able to, you know, I don't know if pull away there, but they're able to just kind of solidify that to get that that five star on campus. And then, you know, a couple other big time targets, Wesley Besaint, you know, the linebacker at a Miami Central uh, Plantation American Heritage cornerback, Jacoby Spells. So, you know, a couple big time targets that, you know, Miami's been involved with for a long time that they have real high on their board that, you know, they're able to get on there. So, Andrew, you obviously 
covered recruiting day in, day out for the previous, what, four cycles. Um, I just want your take on Miami's strategy for this 2022 cycle. You know, they're, they're obviously taking things slow. Number one, do you think it's the right play? Um, and, and I guess first, just answer that. Number one, do you think it's the right play and why? <laughs> yes, I do. Um, why? Because we know how decommitments go. Um, but I, I think the big thing is a ton of schools are flying blind right now. They right. don't know how big anyone is. Right. Um, and how do I know this? Because I get questions about it all the time. Um, you know, there's an offense alignment in, in the state of Florida, you know, that consistently says he's six foot eight, but, you know, I've measured by him myself. He's gone to camps. He's six five. And, you know, he tweets out that he's six eight. And I go to see who likes the tweet. It's all these college coaches. And I'm like, why are you guys liking this? Like, you have no idea how tall this kid is. And look, so I, I think there's some of that. Um, you know, I think Miami wants to get eyes on guys. They want to see certain people move around. Um, I also don't think that Miami has settled for, um, you know, maybe not plan A's. Like they haven't moved to plan B's really anywhere yet. They kind of still have their big targets in play, you know, at corner, like the, at, at cornerback, at linebacker, at wide receiver. Like they're not reaching for anyone they don't want yet. And I think maybe in years prior, when you have an open contact period um, and there's all these junior days. I mean, think of all the junior day takes they've had over the years that have just flamed out or ne never even been part of the class. So I think that's kind of why it's, it's small. Um, I also think that Miami has their eyes on some commit lists for other schools and they're thinking, Hey, if we have a big 2021 and, if they don't have a big 2021, then we're going to go after all of their guys. And obviously, you know, the one school I think, you know, most people I think I'm referencing is Florida State. And that's absolutely right. Like, I think Miami feels that they are going to have a good season. Florida State might not have a good season. So, you know, they're going to go try to make a run at everyone. And I, I think they even, would even try to go after Travis Hunter. I mean, just based on what I've heard. I mean, is that realistic? Probably not. But you know, I think so. It's some of that, and I, I think it's the right strategy. I mean, you don't get points for having kids committed, right. you know, in March or, or April. So we'll see. And I think June and July will be pretty. We'll, we'll have an idea of where this class stands and other other classes around the country. Man, like there is going to be a ton of action in the month of June. Do you expect, you know, not just Florida State, right, but other programs that have a bunch of guys committed? Do you expect? expect it to be a big decommit year in general with guys finally being able to go visit wherever it is. Um, just in general, do you, do you expect a lot of decommits? Oh, sorry. I just cramped up in my leg right there out <laughs> of Charlie horse. Uh, no, yes, I, I think so. I mean, you know, if I, every, every day I, I go on 24 seven sports, you can, you can track to see like who, you can see who's committed over the past few days and who's decommitted. And, and we've kind of gotten really to a, a standstill. There hasn't been much movement. I think that's everyone, because everyone knows, hey, look, things are going to open back up. Um, and I think once kids can meet with college coaches and, and see campuses, I think a lot of minds will be changed. Um, and, and look, if you're Miami, like Miami doesn't have to worry about any of their commits going and visiting anywhere because they don't have any commits. So you know, I, it, it's interesting. I, th I think what's also really interesting too is like 
Miami doesn't even have any like 2023 commits. And in years past, they would have five, six, seven guys in the boat already. So it's just right. been a completely different strategy change. And I, I think the transfer portal is part of that. But I think Manny Diaz and his staff are, are being very smart and they want to get some eyes on some guys. I think Paradise Camp will be huge. Um, so it, it'll be interesting. Gabby, let me bring you in here. Um, you know, you wrote an article. It's been a while now, but I think it's interesting. I'm putting you on the spot because I don't know if you'll remember the exact numbers. <laughs> That's cool. But, you know, Miami wants to get rid of this decommit uh, kind of narrative, decommit you narrative, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you wrote an article about um, how when, when Miami gets guys to commit in the summer compared to the spring, uh, those guys in the summer end up sticking at a much higher rate than in the spring. Do you remember what the numbers were kind of just off about what they were at the top of your head? Oh man. I don't remember at the, off the top of my head, but I, I do know that it was, a, it was a significant difference in terms of just like how many guys ended up like guys that committed basically, it was basically the numbers were basically the summers before their senior season compared to like any time before that. And it was like a drastic difference in terms of like who ended up actually signing with Miami compared to, you know, guys that ended up committing and then decommitting and then landing elsewhere. So um, I do got to find that. I do got to find the exact numbers. I probably, I could probably pull it up if you give me like two minutes, but I do know it was a, it was a pretty significant difference. So that's also why I agree with Andrew that I think like this slow play kind of thing, or just like, you know, just wanting to see guys. Like I don't even know if you can even call it like a slow play. Like I think it just makes sense to want right. to just get eyes on these guys and uh, before making any like, you know, major decisions like that. So uh, yeah, I, I think it's, I definitely think it's the, it's the right move. So last thing I want to touch on, then we'll get into kind of individual positions, but uh, Andrew, it's, it's kind of a new thing this cycle, I guess, where programs can test players during official visits, right? Well, any type of visit, like, I don't even think that's being oh, really? talked about, talked about enough. I actually t- toss it out to our editorial team. I'm like, yo, we need to write a story about this, but yeah, I think that's, that's huge. And I think this has gone on hush, hush behind the scenes sure. at some schools. Like I can recall some notable guys that are currently in the NFL that definitely like went through some workouts at Miami when, you know, over the years um, on official visits. But yeah, no, that, that is, that is huge. I mean, you can pull a kid aside um, and work them out like essentially a pro day, you know, get if you want to see a kid bend an offensive lineman you can you can have him do that i mean you could essentially test them if you wanted to right. you know get them, get them out there to run a 40 yard dash um so i think that that aspect's big but also if you have good assistant coaches now those kids are getting a chance to work with garen justice see what garen justice is like so i think if you have a good coaching staff that can in a way maybe swing things in your favor um especially if a kid's maybe considering another school that doesn't have that. I also think what's funny is all of these kids are, I can't wait till the fall high school football season because they're all going to be in team issue gears from random workouts they got. Cause you, you know, as soon as they step at Miami, those cleats, they give them those ultra boosts, like right, right. they're going home with those boosts. So uh, it'll be quite the high school gear uh, parade. We will see um, this fall. So let's jump into some of the key positions of need for this 2022 class from a Miami perspective. And I'll just raise this point. If you guys disagree, let me know. But from my perspective, um, I'm going to be judging this 2022 class for Miami at, you know, mainly looking at three defensive positions and that's edge rush, 
linebacker and cornerback. Again, you look at the 2021 class and it's funny to say, because Miami did sign two five-star guys on the defensive side, but really, in my opinion, the depth and the talent on the offensive side for the 2021 cycle was better than the defensive side. So in some ways, I think in this 2022 cycle, it is even more important for Miami to, to do better on, at those positions. Again, defensive end, linebacker, and cornerback. Uh, I guess just before we move on, would you agree with that broadly, Andrew and Gabby? Yeah, and I, I think I saw Gabby tweeted about it or he wrote about it. What, uh, of the 24 confirmed plan visitors for yeah. that June 1st day, 23 play uh, defense? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's, it's, it's insane. Like, you just hear about, you think about all the guys that are coming to the cookout. It's like all defensive guys, like, 18 of them are blue chip defensive guys, like four or five star guys, and 10, 10 of them are in the top two, four, seven. So, you know, a ton of, it just seems like this is a really defensive focused class, not to say they're neglecting the offensive side, but it seems like that's what, that's where the priority is. So let's jump into it. Defensive end, right? I think to me, the big question is like, I think it's, it's fair to assume Miami can at least get uh, two or three good players that, will be developed and end up being good college players. But, but to me, the big question is, can they get a quote unquote big fish to commit? And what does that mean? Well, in South Florida, you got three big fish in Nigel Lee Kelly, uh, Shamar Stewart and Marvin Jones, Jr. Three guys that the sec is going to be coming hard for. So the competition is big, but Miami's in the mix. Miami's right there too. Um, and, and to me, the question is, can, can Miami get one of these, at least just one, of these big fish to commit by the end of the cycle. I'll start with you, Andrew. Number one, can they do it? And, and it, you know, if you think they can, who do you think would be the most likely of those three to jump in? We got to toss the a fourth guy in there as well. And uh, uh, Kenyatta Jackson over okay. at Shamanan Madonna Prep. I mean, maybe he's you know not quote unquote big three, but he's you know not he's a good. bad number. He's not not a bad number four. I mean, in yes. other years he would be the guy down here. Uh, can Miami get one of these guys? I, I think they should. I mean, look, man, they just had two edge players yeah. selected in the first round of the NFL draft. Like, um, we'll, we'll see. But, <laughs> you know, it, it, they should, in theory, be able to pull this off. They also got a defensive line coach in Jess Simpson who has been in the NFL before, who can sell, I can get you to what, what, what you need. And I, I think – Aside from those two things, you know, the fact that they put guys in the league, they got the coach, like, man, defensive ends in Miami's scheme, right. like, they eat. Like, eight you sacks don't, every year. Yeah, you don't have to go play in a, a, in, a in the SEC in a 3-4 where maybe you're an edge-setting end or this, this stand-up outside linebacker. Like, no, you can put your hand in the dirt. And like most schools do here, you know, most kids in South Florida – and you can just get after the quarterback. So I, I think they should. You know, who would I handicap them having the best chance at? Ooh, I mean, that's that's hard. I, I think it would probably be Shamar followed by Nigel Leak and then Marvin Jones. I'll say this about Marvin Jones. You know, initially I didn't think Miami had much of a chance. Um, but when I was there for their inter-squad scrimmage, talked to him afterwards, it was kind of the first time I thought, like, all right, like Miami's in this. You got to remember mom went to – Miami. So we'll see. Um, the thing that's in the back of my head, though, and this really is going to apply probably to every blue chip kid from Florida we're talking about. Look, Alabama has not got their guys from Florida yet, and and they will. 
you know, every year they get guys and they don't have anyone yet. So who is Nick Saban going to circle and be like, this is my guy? Um, because when he does that, he doesn't miss often. So I think you got to remember that, you know, Alabama hasn't sunk their teeth on, in on anyone yet. And that's going to happen at some point. It's probably going to happen in June or July. Gabby, which one do you, in your opinion, do you think Miami has the best chance of landing of those big time guys? Yeah, I mean, of, of those guys, like, I mean, I guess it's hard to argue argue that. I mean, Nigel Lee Kelly, I know, is a guy that I've talked to him a few times already just throughout the seven-on-seven circuit. And, you know, it just seems like Miami's, you know, consistently been putting on, like, you know, kind of putting like a full court, uh, full court press on him. You know, he they were constantly FaceTiming him, doing Zooms, you know, talking to him, you know, getting him on, you know, you know like virtual, you know, meetings with like, you know, the defensive staff going through, you know, different defensive schemes and what they like to do getting him on FaceTime for the spring game during practices and all that stuff. So I know my, I know Miami's like, you know, really, really making a very strong push there with Nigel league. So, I mean, maybe I feel like, you know, hopefully potentially maybe Nigel league, uh, Shamar Stewart, I think getting him on campus June 1st, you know, could potentially help, you know, maybe shift, you know, the, the perspective there in terms of just the fact that, you know, a lot of big time programs are really coming after him, but, you know, I, I like, you know, where Miami kind of, maybe sits at this point again what Alabama decides to do could potentially just be the monkey wrench in all this because it just feels like they might be able to just take the one they want and then kind of everyone else has to kind of scramble and figure it out and you know obviously a lot of stiff competition for these guys you know between Clemson the Ohio States the Oklahomas the Texas A&M's Georgia all these different guys so you know it's going to be it's going to be tough but you know these are the type of battles Miami needs to win and you know just kind of mentioning what Andrew was saying like you know you just put two first rounders in the NFL you mentioned David eight sacks every year under Manny Diaz, at least one guy, you know, it, it, it's an easy sell. It, sh- it sounds like an easy sell, but it's just not when you got all, you know, all these big, you know, blue blood programs kind of coming in here too. So before we move on to linebacker, just real quick, want to get your guys's opinions. I want you to rank those one through four. So those four guys, including Kenyatta Jackson. And, and again, these are all big time guys. So whoever is ranked fourth, still a very, very, very good big time prospect. Just want your opinion on how, you know, as things stand now in late May, and again, this can change because we still got a a season to play, camps to watch, all that stuff. But as things stand now in May, how would you rank these guys one through four, Andrew? We're talking like upside or, I mean, this is like evaluation, correct? Evaluation, yep. Oh man, I gotta be, see, I gotta be careful about what I say because I I have a a voice in the the rankings. Um, Look, I... (laughs) It's funny, I mean, because we're taping this, what, Tuesday morning, and I should see three of these guys over the next uh, 48 hours play because uh, you got Shamar Stewart's game, inter-squad game tonight. Um, then you got Shamanad's on, on on Wednesday, and, and Nigel Leakes playing for Dillard on Wednesday night as well. So uh, I, I should have a better answer for you. Look, you know, the rankings right now, I think it goes, the 24-7, it goes Shamar, um, Marvin, Nigelique, Kenyatta, you know, I've been probably the biggest Nigelique Kelly fan in the recruiting industry. Um, And I was out at one of his spring practices. The the dude's a monster. And I know, David, you disagree with me that he might eventually kick inside and that's fine. But when you see him, you can just tell he's kind of, he's kind of built different. I still think he has a ways to go. Like he's only going to get better. So I think he might have the highest ceiling of, of the bunch um, you know, Marvin Jones, former wide receiver, he's really put on some size. You know, I, I, I think you can make the case that maybe he has the 
lowest floor or, or highest floor of the bunch. Um, Kenyatta to me still has a ways to go. He's definitely fourth. And then, you know, Shamar, man, I, I got to see it. You know, he didn't really uh, play much at all as a junior. I, I don't have not concerns or, or, or questions, but he needs to have a big senior season in my eyes and be 100% there and not checked out. So I guess if I had to rank, you know, how do, how do I kind of view them right now heading into the senior seasons? I, I might go Nigel Leak one, you know, Marvin two, Shamar three, Kenyatta four, but it, it's close, man. And I, I can move those guys all around, you know, whenever I want. Um, it, it's funny because I, I have these conversations with college coaches all the time a, a, as well. And I love the profile in Shamar. I love his frame. You know, you can make a case for any one of those guys yeah. uh, to be number one and, and two and three. Who would you, they're all freaks. Who is the most physically gifted in your opinion? I think that is that is probably Nigelik followed closely by Shamar. I, with Shamar, man, you know he's just he's consistently dinged up, and yeah. Nigelik is as well. You know, he told me he's dealing with a, a, a hip flexor type of injury, um, so we'll see. But you know, safest bet's got to be Marvin Jones. Look, his dad won a Butkus Award. His dad yeah. was a played in the NFL for ten years. I mean, if you guys watch the NFL draft a few weeks ago. How many how many sons of guys did we see go and, right. and get selected? So he he might be the safest uh, of the bunch. Gabby, I know you're a big Marvin fan. Would you put him number one on your ranking? Yeah, I've also had a chance to see Marvin the most. You know, like in pads at least. So I mean, Marvin Jones to me is probably number one, and then followed probably by Nigelik, and then Shamar. Like I've never seen Shamar compete in pads. Like I've never seen him play like an actual snap. I know he missed a lot of time last year, and then. Obviously, like, you know, that was my first year on this. So I've only seen Shamar in like a couple camp, like one camp setting. And it was like last August that it was just like a random one at a park. And then, you know, that's basically been it for me. And then I've seen him like in practice one time. So I feel like I still got to see it uh, with Shamar. And then I'd probably put Kenyatta for like what Andrew's saying. I think that's fair. But I'd probably go Marvin, Kenyatta, uh, Marvin, Nigelik, uh, Shamar Stewart, and then Kenyatta Jackson. Can I, can I toss this in there as well? Since we're just talking yeah. about these, like, to me, I brought up that, you know, the three, four, four, three argument, like all four of those guys will be like, oh, you know, they're talking about to me about being a, a three, four backer. Like in my eyes, having seen these guys move around, seen their bodies and look, you know, these schools haven't, <laughs> you know, they simply haven't right. um, at any point. Like to me, the only one that I think really could be a three, four linebacker is Kenyatta Jackson. Yeah. Like I, I, I cannot see Shamar. I mean, what was he up to 260 pounds at the Under Armour yeah. camp? <laughs> you know, Marvin Jones is, is 245. Like, yes. And I get, I get it. There are freaks. There are freaks. These are freaks. But me, like if anything, I think those guys are going to move inside. So I just think that's kind of, that's kind of interesting to me. I agree with that. I think all, all four of those guys potentially could kick inside. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't see the outside linebacker thing. But anyways, linebacker. Let's go to Miami's linebacker situation. To me, guys, you could make, I'm not sure if I'm 100% in on this take, but you could make the argument that Wesley Besaint might be the most important uh, target out there for Miami, just considering where their linebacker situation is right now. Um, Miami Central, four-star linebacker Wesley Besaint. Um, I think he is a huge key. And then you know, I think it's it's becoming clear that there's three other main targets besides Wesley 
at linebacker. That would be Demario Tolan out of the Orlando area, four-star guy. Devin Jackson, a freak track runner, uh, as crazy as that is, at, at linebacker. Um, out of He's out of Nebraska, correct? Yeah, yes. Omaha. And, and then Travis Lathan out of Gulliver Prep, who – you know, is a very athletic guy. He plays some wide receiver at the high school level. And I think that shows up with his ability to move in space at linebacker, which Miami needs as well. Um, I guess just overall, Andrew, how do you view this linebacker situation for Miami? How many of those four do they need to land? Oh, I mean, all of them. <laughs> no, look, I think this is different than what we've seen in years past. Like this is a very athletic group. Um, and I know they've kind of dipped their toe into trying to get more athletic at the linebacker position. Tyreek Austin Cave, you know, he comes to mind. Um, Sam Brooks, uh, Avery Huff, like they've they've tried to do this, but this year it seems like they have legitimately like that's all they are recruiting is speedy, big, long guys at linebacker, which is what they need to do. Uh, we have seen. You know, I'm not trying to bash anyone on this podcast, but like the Bradley Jennings isn't isn't working that type in, in Manny's defense. So that that to me, what I think when I see this group, I go, wow, it's it's an athletic group of guys that they that they want and and that they're after. Um, I think they have to get Wesley Bistain. I go back to Miami Northwestern, Miami Central two years ago. Um, and I remember Manny Diaz and Stephen Field were at that game. Um, I'm trying. I mean, there there had to have been what thirty, you know, three dozen FBS prospects participating in that game on a Friday night. Um, and I remember Manny Diaz told me before he left he thought that Wesley Bistain, who probably had four or five offers at the time, I mean, he was a sophomore, was the best player on the field. So if you knew that then. Um, <laughs> Your, your number one priority should be getting this this kid. So I think he's a guy they got to get. Um, and I think they're in a good spot with him right now, kind of heading into the summer months. Gabby, which one of those other three, so Demario Tolan, Devin Jackson, Tra- Travis Lathan, would you say intrigues you the most as a prospect? I mean, intriguing it. I think it's Devon Jackson because he's like supposedly 6'2", 200 pounds, running a 10'5", 3". But, you know, I, I'm also really intrigued by DeMario Tolan. Like, I think that he's a, I think he's a, just a really interesting prospect. Again, just like with the athleticism and just what he can, what he can bring. Like, you know, I like watching him move, move around at the Under Armour Miami camp. And, uh, you know, just in terms of just what I feel like Miami kind of needs at the position, what it's evident that they need at the position, I feel like he kind of checks a lot of those boxes. So, you know, Devon Jackson's a, a freak athlete, of course. Um, I mean, not a lot of guys move around like that. Uh, at that position. So, I mean, he's definitely super intriguing, but just in terms of, you know, a local guy, pretty local guys back from the Sunshine State that can, you know, kind of get it done. I mean, I'm, I'm really interested to see if Miami is able to kind of come around and end up landing the signature of DeMario Tolan, because I think he would be a huge addition. So let's just say Miami lands Wesley Bassaint and one other of these guys, right? That's a good class. That's Miami should feel good about that. Oh, I think so for sure. Uh, it's on on Demario Tolan, I think he has some of the most fun linebacker tape in the in the twenty twenty two cycle. Um, in terms of him just flying around, he's very disruptive. Uh, hits likes to hit people. So yeah, I, I think if they can get two of those guys, you have to feel good about the future of that room. All right, let me. I'll ask this as we transition to cornerback, right? Because to me. 
I think you could you could make the argument these two guys are the biggest must gets for Miami between Wesley Besaint, the linebacker we've been drooling over, Miami Central, and Kamari Rogers, the four-star corner out of the state of Mississippi, according to the composite number sixty-six overall in the country. I'm going to pin you guys down both. If if you had to say Miami could only have one of these guys, which one do you do you pick for Miami to, to take between Wesley and Kamari? Andrew. Well, I think you take Wesley. Um, for sure. Look, you know, it's a, I think it's a really good year in the state of Florida for defensive backs. I think there are other defensive backs on the board that can play. Like Jacoby Spells comes immediately to mind. Chris Graves comes comes to mind. You know, Spells is at American Heritage um, in Plantation. Uh, Graves over at Bishop Verreau uh, in Fort Myers, your neck of the woods, David. Uh, you know, I'm a huge fan of, of the two Henderson twins up at Sanford Seminole. Like, there are a ton of cornerbacks right now. Um, there's not a ton of linebackers. And there really hasn't been in Florida. This past NFL draft, um, you know, Florida had 36 players selected in the over the course of the seven rounds um one of them was a linebacker and he's not even considered a true linebacker and that's jamie and sherwood uh who old miami recruiting fans remember uh was from the treasure coast he ended up going to auburn miami was involved uh he went in like the fifth round to the jets so the state doesn't produce linebackers so if there's a good one i think miami needs to get one especially a kid at miami central so i think bistain uh for sure over rogers gabby you agree yeah, no, I agree. And I just, just to add, like, I just think the Saint is just one of those kids that kind of carries like that weight in like a class, like where if Miami were to land him, like that's kind of like another indicator to local guys, like, Hey, like, Oh, Wesley's going to Miami, you know? So I just think in terms of just like kind of like the impact and the notoriety that he has locally in terms of just like his presence in South Florida, because I do think he's like that dude, especially in Dade County on the defensive side of the ball, like one of them at least. So uh, I just think, because of that too, I think you go Wesley, but then obviously all the reasons that Andrew mentioned, I think I feel good about the, the rest of the cornerbacks that Miami's kind of involved with. And also the Henderson twins that I feel like people don't talk about enough that I, I think both those guys are real good players as well. So with cornerback, right. I, I feel like it's a similar discussion as defensive end. Like I think Miami's in a good spot with some high upside guys, Jacoby Spells, Chris Graves, you guys both touched on, right. I feel, I like those guys as prospects. Are they day one contributors? Probably not. But I think Miami's kind of like they're in the mix for some potential day one guys in Kamari Rogers, again, top hundred guy out of the state of Mississippi and Traquan Fagans, who is a, uh, uh, prospect out of Alabama, uh, Oxford. High, high level four star. Right. So I think, let me just get your take on that. Andrew, do you think those guys have the talent and potential to be day one guys potentially at Miami? That'd be Fagans and Rogers. Yes. Uh, I think it's hard at, at corner. I mean, there's only a, a, a few every year, um, like five, five, five or so guys. I, I've been saying this, you know, I think the 2022 cycle is very deep at corner, um, like really, really deep nationally. And that's going to play into Miami's favor. I mean, Clemson and Alabama and Georgia and, and Florida, they can only take so many guys. Um, and it yeah. seems like every year Miami is losing out to Clemson for an elite dude. Fred Davis, um, drawing a blank on the kid this past cycle that was committed to LSU. And yeah. what, Nate, what was his name? Oh, I can't even remember. But you know, my, my, my point is, is like there's there should be enough guys to go around. 
Um, And I don't know if Rodgers or, you know, like Rodgers and Fagans are a lot closer to Graves and Spells than I think most would think. Um, But I think that that speaks to how good Graves and Spells are, correct? Like, I think they're good. Yeah, but yeah, like I just, you know, it's deep and I, I, I like... I don't think any of those guys start start day okay. one for Miami, but I think they're better than DJ Ivy. I think they're better than Marcus Clark. I think they're better than Isaiah Dunson. Right. Um, so that's just, you know, is that a good way to answer the question? Yes. I, no, that's okay. And, and Gabby, who do you feel better about, Kabari Rogers or Trey Confagans going into June? Who do I feel better like, about where Miami, in terms of like yes. where Miami stands? Correct. I mean, I think you have to feel pretty good about where Miami stands with Kamari Rogers and just, Again, just kind of like what I alluded to earlier, just the fact that he's coming here on his own and, you know, for, on June 1st for the cookout, you know, he could easily just stay close to home, maybe go to Ole Miss or go to Mississippi State or one of these schools. But, you know, he's flying with his pops, you know, down to South Florida to be at Miami again. He was on campus earlier this year, you know, I think when he was down for the Battle Miami tournament. So, you know, and then again, come, he also could have just waited for his official visit on June 18th to come back and kind of walk around then. But, uh, you know, I just think making it a priority to just kind of come down here. I, I mean, you got to feel good about at least where Miami's kind of standing with him. And Traquan Fegans, you know, I know, I mean, I've had conversations with, with dad before too. You know, they love the South Florida area. Like, you know, they like being down here. The, you know, Traquan is, you know, played with the Miami Immortals. He's familiar with a lot of the guys down here and kind of like, you know, the culture, the scene, all that stuff. So, you know, I think both those guys have pretty legitimate interests. But I mean, I, at this point, I'd probably feel a little better about Kamari Rogers. Andrew, before we move on to some offensive guys, I want to get your thoughts on spells and graves. Um, Cause to me, it's, it seems like they do have, I'm not saying they're going to end up in the NFL, right. But they have that kind of NFL profile coming out of high school because both the, both guys played some wide receiver at the high school level. Um, and really today playing cornerback to me is about the ability to play the ball because Offenses now are too good. Uh, you know, passing plays are going to happen, big passing plays. But when a cornerback has a chance to get his hand on a ball or pick off a pass, he has to be able to do that. And to me, Jacoby Spells and Chris Gaves both have that ability. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Spells, I remember when they first introduced me to him at uh, American Heritage, Pat Sertain's like, oh, this guy over here is going to be a big deal. And then he was playing receiver at the time. Uh, then they transitioned him to corner, ends up starting – for your 5A state champs in a, in a loaded secondary. Um, didn't pick off a ton of passes, but you're right. He's he's good um, with his ball skill. Still has a ways to go, but you got to love that profile. Um, and the thing, Graves is the same way. Wide receiver, some schools initially offered him on offense, uh, but it seems like most people think his future is on defense, and I agree. Uh, the two things they also have in common, both those guys are fast, okay? Yeah. And, you know, I dropped one of my favorite – Articles every cycle, the fastest recruits in the state of Florida. I did that earlier this week, 247sports.com. If you haven't checked it out, please do. I need those page views. But uh, both those guys were listed in there. You know, Spells is, I, he's, I, you know, I was deep, deep in the track. He's multiple times over the past, you know, uh, three years. He's, he's consistently been one of the fastest guys in the Sunshine State for, for his age, you know. I think he's got as low, what is he, as low as 10, 7, 9, I think is his time. Graves, on the other hand, not as big of a track athlete, but in his first meet, he goes 11 one 
in the hundred meter dash. So he, he, yeah. he can move. And that's another thing that we're seeing. Who are the corners that are getting drafted? Well, they're, they're guys over five eleven. They're guys that also played wide receiver and some offense in high school. And they're guys that are fast and, and, and they, they check off those boxes. So absolutely. I think, you know, their profile suggests that they could eventually be playing on Sundays. So let's talk real quick about Miami's one commitment quarterback, Jakari Brown. Uh, I don't think we've talked to you on the podcast, Andrew, since he committed. Um, you've, of course, seen him, you know, at a camp with me, what, 18 months ago. Then we yep. saw him uh, play in in their big rivalry game, Lowndes against Valdosta High School. And then you've seen him here this offseason in some seven-on-seven events as well. What are your thoughts on, on Jakari as a player? What, what kind of guy is Miami getting in him? Well, I think he's someone that wants to get better. Um, I think he's a gamer, obviously, you know, it's been well detailed how many games he has won at the high school level, playing in one of the highest classifications there in the Peach State. You know, David, we went to that, uh, what is it, the Wintersville Classic, Lowndes versus um, Valdosta, you know, and we were there to see Jake Garcia, but kind of Jacory Brown stole the show a little bit, had some long runs, made, made, you know, wasn't the, didn't light up the stat sheet when it came to passing, but he was good. He did enough to win the game. Um, so I like that aspect about him. I think he's got the right mentality. Um, you know, it's funny. I remember the first time I saw him throw was at a camp, you know, he was at FAU was one of those satellite camps and Lane Kiffin, like they pulled him from the young group, brought him over to the other side of the field. He was throwing for Lane Kiffin. Uh, the next day he camps at Miami and I don't even think Dan Enos knew who the hell Jacuri Brown was. Right. <laughs> and it's just funny. It just comes full circle. He's kind of the guy. Um, I, I like him a lot. You know, yeah, we have him as, as the high three star right now. And I'm sure a ton of Miami fans will, will give us crap. But look, man, I, I, I'm a big the, when we look at the rankings, you know, we're trying to use the NFL draft as kind of the compass and look, look, man, the 20 quarterbacks aren't drafted every year. So we shouldn't have 20 quarterbacks that have four stars next to their name. I think he's a really good prospect. You know, I think that dual threat capability is awesome. And look, when I saw him, I guess it would have been two weeks or so before he committed at the, uh, at a pylon tournament in Atlanta. I mean, one of those games, he went eight for eight for like 170 yards and, and four touchdowns. Uh, he's got a, he's got all the arm talent you know, he's just, he's inconsistent. Um, Cause I remember, you know, a few hours later, he, the next game, he was like one for eight. Um, so he, he's a streaky player, but you know, it, it, if, if they can dial it in, he could be a massive hit for Miami. I think. What are your thoughts on their three-year run of quarterback talent acquisition, going back to Tyler Van Dyke, Jake Garcia, and now let's assume Jakari sticks. That's pretty, I mean, it's, Oh God! Again, I'm not trying to throw people under the bus or, or anything like this, but I, I think it was on Nikosi Perry Snapchat um, over the weekend. It was like him, Jaron Williams, and Malik Rozier yeah. all throwing, and I'm like, oh man, Miami's come so far uh, just in terms of of getting completely different guys. Look, I think Tyler Van Dyke. I've said this, you know, people might disagree with me. Like, I think he could be the guy for Miami in in 2022. Um, you know. And, and then Jake looked good in the in the spring game. It, it's it's impressive. I, I think it's you know Rhett Lashley is a really really good recruiter. Um, yeah. You also remember he got De'Ara King, 
So uh, it, it, it would be something. And, you know, it's, I was also talking to someone at Miami this week because uh, I was asking about their, their camps um, and they brought up the fact like, yeah, we're, we're going to try to get some 2023 arms to throw. Like, you know, Miami's already just moving on to the next class, which is huge, which is huge just because with how accelerated quarterback recruiting is. So no, it's definitely been a good run. Let me ask you this, David, like, is this, would the, will this be like the best quarterback room for Miami since when potentially? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's might be the best three year run since I've covered the team. Uh, dating back to 07 you know I remember I was I did like some two-year runs like the Ja'Cory the Ja'Cory Harris Stephen Morris back-to-back was a good run Um, but yeah I mean in terms of a three-year run in terms of like stacking quarterback talent consistently this this probably is the best and yeah uh, in terms of a quarterback room this year in 2021 it is the best I've covered and like with De'Ara King Tyler Van Dyke Jake Garcia I think all three of those, you know, we know De'Eric can win at a high level. I think Tyler could come in and win some games if Miami ha- puts him in that situation this year, if he has to come in and do that. And I think, I think Jake Garcia has something special to him. Now he needs to keep improving, of course, but I think the potential there is special and, and we'll see if he maximizes that potential. Um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, Manny Diaz is a defensive coach, but when he, when he was hired, he, he, made it clear, like, we have to fix quarterback recruiting. That's kind of my top priority. He's gone out and and done that. He took some early swings that didn't work out. Like, he backed Jaron Williams uh, when you could have debated he shouldn't have done that, right? In hindsight, uh, Tate Martell took a swing there, didn't work out. But, you know, he kept kept taking swings. And and I think at the end of the day, Miami's quarterback room is a much better situation now than when he arrived. And, you know, that's to me, that's like 75% of winning college football games, having that quarterback position figured out. And so Manny Diaz kind of has that going. Oh, I mean, he was learning on the job. You live and you right. learn, right? Right, right. Gabby, let's talk some offensive line. You know, the addition of Justice Aluasun, I got to learn how to say that name. Um, the UNLV transfer, right? It, it made me think, because when you came out and said, you know, Miami kind of views this more as a 2022 type of addition. So that made my spidey, my spidey senses start tingling. And I, I, I just start wondering, like, does that mean Miami doesn't necessarily feel great about how things are going with 2022 offensive line recruiting in general? Um, what would you say if I asked you that? Yeah, um, I mean, I'm not sure if, if that's necessarily the case. I mean, they are set to get a couple, you know, big-time guys on campus. I mean, you think about, like, Malik Ogbo, the four-star out of the Pacific Northwest, Washington State. Like, I was exchanging messages with him yesterday, and he seems, like, super pumped about getting down to Miami. So, you know, it seems like Miami's still, you know, doing a good job there. Same thing with Cameron Williams, the offensive left four-star offensive lineman out of Duncanville, which is a, you know, powerhouse program over there in Texas, uh, you know, so I feel like they're, they're, they're still kind of working through things. Andrew, I know you wrote about Leighton Nelson, like, you know, Leighton Nelson's another guy they expect to get on campus. Same thing with Daughtry Richardson, you know, the offensive lineman out of Miami central. That's the only offensive guy at this point that's going to be at the cookout. And then, you know, I think they're still going to try taking their swings at Julian Armella and stuff. So I feel like they still have their targets on the board. 
Um, do they feel good that they're probably going to land every single one of those guys? Who knows? I mean, you can also throw Jacob Hood in there out of Nashville, Tennessee. So, you know, I, I, I'm not sure if it means that they don't feel good about their offensive line recruiting in 2022. I feel like that's still kind of taking shape. But I do, I think it does, I think it might be just kind of like they don't, they're not sure if what they have in the room right now is going to be enough to kind of get them through this transition of what they kind of expect to happen uh, after this 2021 season. So, you know, I think the Justice Oluwasu or Oluwasin, I don't know. Uh, I think that addition is just more of just like uh, them kind of making sure that they're going to be all right, you know, following this season after losing a bunch of guys. Andrew, am I making too big of a deal about offensive line recruiting or is this like Miami just taking it slow like they kind of are at every other position? I think it's kind of them taking it slow, but is it is it just not a good year for offensive linemen in the, right. in the state? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's the case. But you still got to sign guys, right? No, you do. You do. I, I think the offer timing with the, uh, Daughtry Richardson was interesting. Um, I think he probably ends up at Florida State. You know, so then who's the other local offensive lineman that they're in on? Leighton Nelson, who I had a chance to see uh, over the weekend up in Orlando. You know, he's got a twin brother. Brother isn't as big as, as him. I, I think if a school offers his brother, um, you know, that's where he's probably going to go or maybe preferred walk-on spot. You know, he told me that Pitt's doing the best job of recruiting him and Miami's number two. And everyone's probably like, well, Pitt, like, you know, Miami should be out recruiting Pitt, but... Um, they, they just do a good job and this kid's got 30 offers or so, so we'll see. Um, it, it, it is interesting, David, it, but it does seem like Miami's, I, I don't know, like this they're is different trying. than, yeah, they're, they're going national, right? Yeah. And it seems like Garen's having more success than some previous guys like Stacy Searles and Butch Berry. And- yeah. I have, I trust Garen's ability to recruit. I just, you know. At the end of the day, recruiting's a bottom line business, and and who do you end up landing? And you know, when you look at last year's cycle, twenty twenty one, I liked all those guys that they brought in, right? So there is that. Um, but I just think offensive line, it's tough to recruit at at Miami, and so and, and right now, like on de- on the defensive side of things, at all those positions, I think you can kind of take an educated guess as to who Miami's going to land. And for me, right now. I have no clue. Like it's hard for me to point to a guy on the offensive line and be like, yeah, I feel 70% sure that Miami can end up landing this guy. Now they will land someone, but I don't know who that's going to be. Yeah. Like who do you even like put in like a mock class? Right. It's very hard. And when I did one, it was extremely hard, honestly, for the whole offensive side in in general, but especially at, at, at offensive line. So It'll be interesting to see how things go there. Let's wrap this up. Um, Andrew, I'll, I'll give it to you first. You know, overall, what do you think, you know, is, is a fair expectation for this 2022 Miami class in terms of like a class ranking? Um, top 20, top 15, how do you kind of view things there? Do you just view it like they just need to crush the defensive side of the ball? Uh, from, from this point on, how what do you, what do you, what is a fair expectation for this class? I think top fifteen, um, and they should absolutely crush it on the defensive side of the ball because it's so good at linebacker, at safety, or we're not even safety at corner, um, at edge rusher, defensive end. Like 
they have to clean up. Like they're supposed to clean up, you know, this is, right. this is in their backyard. So I, I think top 15, um, where did that 2021 class finish after once the dust 11th. Set? Okay. So look, you know, I think maybe another challenging top 10 kind of finish and that's going to be hard um, because right. Miami had what two five stars last year. Right. You know, I, are they going to get a five star this year? I guess their best chance would be, um, what Shamar, Shamar, correct? Yeah. So we'll see, but I think this, ch- this class has a chance to be like deeper, um, more, more blue chip guys, you know, so maybe it's not as good one through five, but right. you know, five through 15 is way better than what we saw in that 21 class. So that, that's what I would think, you know, what, what should be an expectation? I mean, we kind of outlined it, like they need to get Wesley Bistain, um, right. And they need to get Jacob, like Jacoby Spells and Chris Graves. So that's kind of where I'm at. Gabby, what do you think? Top 20, top 15, top 12? Where do you put it? Yeah, I mean, just like, I also have to think you have to factor in like the numbers. Like what Andrew's saying, like if Miami goes and signs 15 to 17 guys, is that going to be enough to get Miami into like right. a top 12 class? Like just, so I mean, I'm also going to be looking a lot at just like the average ranking per recruit too, like. No, I feel like that's kind of a mentality I'm kind of taking into it. It's just like, how good is the quality that Miami's bringing in? You know, even if it's not the, you know, on paper, it's not, oh, they have, they signed maybe the number 17 class or something, but their average ranking per recruit is, you know, at a, in a, is, is a solid, strong number, maybe like a 90 in that area around there. Like, you know, I'll feel pretty good about, about that. And we'll just and yeah, have this landing Wesley and, you know, those guys, one of the edge rushers and all that stuff. We'll end it here. You know, just basic question, you know, Miami's got one guy committed, right? So on the surface level, things don't look great, but as we know, things are happening behind the scenes. They're talking to a lot of guys and this summer is going to be when, when dominoes really start to fall, not only for Miami, but every program around the country. So uh, number one, is Miami in a good spot right now or not in your opinion? And I guess at what point, would you guys be concerned if Miami's recruiting is still kind of dry? You know, if the commit list isn't quite to that 10 mark, you know, let's say at the start of the season. So it's September. Um, would you guys be concerned then? Andrew, I'll start with you. Uh, yeah, I think so. I, I think they will be close to double digits by uh, July 4th. Wow. That's, that's, that's what I think. Wow. Okay. So things will really pick up in June. Yeah. I mean, do you disagree with me or, or am, I, am I, is that, is that off, off base? I mean, you got to think you have, I'd push it back a month. I'd say August one. Okay. Okay. I mean, I guess, or you'll have a better idea. Maybe there'll be some kids who announce, but you know, wait um, yes. to, to choose on certain dates, but I think maybe you'll have a good idea of, you know, fair a, yes. a feeling like I, I think it could get to six, seven, eight, you yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. Gabby, what do you think? Yeah, no, I think, I mean, I, I just think this whole month of June is just going to be interesting because I feel like these guys are going to kind of take advantage of these visits. So the guys that, you know, I feel like Miami's in a good spot with still going to take, you know, multiple visits and all that stuff. So I think like July, like I, I think if at the end of July, Miami's not like, doesn't have like, you know, six, seven, maybe double digit commits. Uh, yeah, and maybe, I guess you start panicking a little bit if like, you know, or just some of their top targets decide to choose elsewhere. Uh, like, you know, maybe a Jacoby Spells or a Wesley Bassain or just anything like that kind of happens. Uh, 
maybe you press the panic button there, but I mean, I honestly feel pretty good about where they stand heading into this, you know, not this open recruiting period now that we're a week away and all that stuff. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not too worried about how things are going to play out. And, and I'll add like, there's reason to believe Miami's going to get aggressive. Yeah. Like I think, so yeah, I mean, I think you kind of raised your eyebrows when I said they'll be close to double digits, but look, you're going to have what three official visit weekends, paradise weekend. Right. Like, I think there's some kids that are going to come on visits and Miami's going to go, look, man, um, we're bringing in this kid next weekend. And if he wants in, uh, he's going to take your spot. So Fair. figure it out. Fair. So that's a good way to end it. It's going to be a crazy month of June. Uh, appreciate you jumping on Andrew. How'd I do hosting? What's your grade? You're good, man. I just love how you have like a headset now. Yeah. He's, I, he's, he's very official. I had to step it up, you know, no more Apple AirPod wire I had to step it up. You know, he looks like he, he looks like he's in the booth, like calling like a, game or something like that i love broadcaster yeah one one final thing so uh you know because me and grabby cross paths all the time for the first time we were out at the (laughs) referee scrimmages so i just just so everyone that listens and subscribes to inside you this is how far along gabby has has come we were uh it was the referee scrimmages and like some kids scored a touchdown and gabby knew who the kid was and i didn't and I said that was the first time that's ever happened where he knew who someone was and I didn't. So he's oh, yeah. he's he's starting to blossom. He's up to speed. <laughs> yeah, he he's definitely up to knows sp- his stuff. Yeah, it's it's impressive. You've come a long way, uh, young Jedi. <laughs> but now, the next step though is going to be June first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, and I plan on being out there with Gabby, so I'll hang out with Gabby. Uh, but it's definitely going to be his show. And uh, yeah, I think I do think I will say this. I, we're going to have some sort of sale around June 1st, some sort of annual subscription sale. So if you enjoyed this podcast and, and want to go in deeper with your knowledge uh, of Miami's recruiting efforts during this big month of June, uh, definitely hop in on that deal. Again, I don't know the exact date. It'll be sometime, maybe sometime the weekend before June 1st or on June 1st. So take advantage of that. As always, appreciate you guys listening. We always appreciate five-star review, whatever platform you guys use. And uh, thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Gabby. Always good insight. Thanks, man. Later. Absolutely.